With only a few more days left until October, it feels as though the spinner rack is sometimes moving faster. But more importantly, as I noticed recently, it appears to have even more books, so many to choose from, and so much more difficult to pick my top five. What exactly would they be? Well, why don't you stick around for all of episode number 27 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network, where I, your host, Seth Singleton, will take you through my top five picks this week, just like each and every week. In fact, let's get started right now with my first choice, Year of the Villain, Lex Luthor, number one. It's a story titled Only Luther, written by Jason Latour with pencils by Brian Hitch. Inks also by Brian Hitch and Andrew Curry, with color art by Tomu Mori, lettering by Tom Napolitano, and a really great cover by Francis Manipal. In this story, Lex Luthor, who has already merged with Martian DNA to become the Apex Predator, is traveling through the many different Earths, whether it's Earth-23 or Earth-45, or so many other iterations of Earth that exist within the multiverse, and upon each one, he finds a Lex Luthor. It starts with Earth-23, where he meets a young Lex Luthor, a boy, one who seems very similar to the Lex Luthor that is making this journey and has also described a past in which his father was an alcoholic who never lived up to his potential. Now, there has been some explanation made regarding how this came to be and why it was that he fell into such sad state. And despite all of that, the focus has also been on how this helped to shape and mold Lex. But that was just one version of Lex Luthor. And in Year of the Villain, we get a chance to see many different versions of Lex. Versions that are heroes, villains, gods, monsters. And in each one, an offer is made to join Lex, to leave behind the trappings of the world that they believe is their world, their life, and to move ahead with him towards a new future one with Perpetua, one embracing the concept of doom. For each one that refuses, Lex destroys them. And there are a couple of really great themes running through this story. It's something that gives it an additional um, tone and also makes it feel just interestingly enough as though there's this thread that Luthor is using to help weave this narrative. It has to do with the Black Mercy, which I remember very fondly from Justice League animated cartoon episodes. And when it comes to the Black Mercy, it's a parasitic alien flora, and it makes an appearance in a few of these stories. And yet in each one, Lex Luthor is disappointed. He feels that the version that he has come across is a failure each time whether it's too weak, too compassionate, too heroic, too evil, too simple-minded, he finds fault with each. Even those who have turned the world into a better place, he believes are failures 
all because they do not share the vision he and Perpetua are creating. And along this journey, Lex has convinced the young boy, Luthor, the one from Earth-23, to join him. I really enjoyed the way this story had the opportunity to show so many possibilities, and then I thought in a really nice way. In Earth-47, it shows a Luthor who has been cooking and eating the Black Mercy and using it to travel even more worlds and possibilities, and to know that he has, in his eyes, succeeded where this Apex Lux is clearly failing. There's a really nice twist at the end of this story, suggests the possibility that some of this may have been part of Lex's mind, some of it may have been part of someone else's. As it's known, the Black Mercy shows us the things we want to see so it can feed off of us. And at the ending, it makes a final appearance that is an interesting connection to that earlier thread I was talking about. I'm curious to hear what you thought about it. For this one, I thought that the team did a great job taking this story and bringing it all the way through to an ending that sets up more stories in the future. And also for an art team that did this great job of capturing the tone, the feeling, the wonder that each earth with all of its specific details and variances compared to the world that we witness in our singular timeline really created that sense of adventure and i thought that was a great thing about this story despite the fact that it's about luther recruiting a team of like-minded selves it's also a story about where he goes in order to recruit them this was a solid 5 out of 5 in my book, and a great way for me to start off episode number 27 of the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. And bringing us through to number 2 is Inferior 5, number 1. This was a really great issue that I felt did so many wonderful things. It was, well written but according to the uh, text description it was uh, plotted by Keith Giffen and Jeff Lemire with pencils by Keith Giffen and Lemire handling the script Michelle Delecki providing inks with hi-fi offering up the colors and Rob Lay providing the letters the Giffen Delic hi-fi combo provided the original cover with varying covers by Jeff Lamar and Jose Villa Arubia. I hope I got all those names right and if I didn't please don't hesitate to let me know where I can work on my pronunciation. In a small town surrounded by a lot of desert and cactuses people are going missing and an ex appears where they used to live and almost as a mark to describe why they're gone. Interestingly enough, there's a small connection to the Dominators. It's only referenced, but it feels very ominous. And I love the fact that there's this idea of whether or not people remember the invasion and what happened and who it affected. An invasion was a really great storyline that that offered up this 
really interesting concept of, of what happens when an alien species just goes for it and decides they're going to take over Earth. It's been part of classic science fiction for a long time, but seeing it descend upon DC Comics Universe back in the late 80s the way it did uh, really provided an interesting development because one of the side effects of this was new superheroes, which is always a great thing to come out of a cataclysmic event. So what are the Dominators doing in this story? Well, that's part of a great mystery, one that has appearances on places like Danger Street, and one that involves a really great cast of characters. Lisa has this inquisitive mind that simply won't let go of just what is happening and why it is she can't understand it. But she knows that it's getting closer to her, that something terrible is coming. And while I enjoyed the mystery of Inferior Five, there was an added story in here about the Peacemaker. Chapter one titled The Bunker was story and art by Jeff Lamar. And in this story, we not only get a chance to see more about the Dominators, a possible connection with the Peacemaker, but some really fun elements, like the moment when Flag asks Amanda Waller why it is they're using Peacemaker, and then raises the question that first came to mind when I saw my first image of him, which was, what's with the helmet? We don't get a lot of answers in chapter one, but the setup for the remaining chapters provides a really fun story that I'm curious about. And in this first chapter, not only of Inferior Five, but of this secondary story of the Peacemaker, the mysteries both connect to the Dominators, and I believe the connection to the end of this story is going to be hopefully something that ties them both together. There's a very specific style that I've come to recognize from Jeff Lemire, and it's very evident in this story. It creates a, a shambling existence, or an existence of shambles. Choose your phrasing and let me know. But the downtrodden, the worn down nature of things is something that I think is a great echo to uh, his work on Black Hammer, and that it carries over really nicely into this sad little place where all of these people have decided they're just not sure what they're doing what's going on and if they have any control over any of it i'm looking forward to coming back to this parched spot of arizona called dangerfield and seeing what else we might discover in the next issue but based on this first one i have a strong feeling Inferior 5 is going to make its way back to the spinner rack. That was my second choice, a solid 5 out of 5, a great work that I really enjoyed. But it also means that we're going to have to take a quick break. Time for some ads, a little info, and then my third, fourth, and fifth choices for the DC Comics new spinner rack, episode number 27. Thanks for sticking around with us. I'll be right back. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. 
Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hey there everybody, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. Now for my third choice. I picked High Level, book number six, the finale of this six-part miniseries that I've really enjoyed and felt has been doing a, a really lovely thing in its ability to suggest an idea that I remember as far back as Jean-Claude Van Damme movies like Cyborg, where there's a figure most likely something that's not quite human, if human at all, who has within it the answers to a problem that is essentially a post-apocalyptic or dystopian future that most would be happy to escape. In this story, Chapter 6, Ascension, by Rob Sheridan, we have great pencil art from Barnaby Bagenda, and Omar Francia with color art by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Lettering by Nate Piegos of Lambot. And I think a really graceful and gorgeous cover by Barnaby Bagenda and Romulo Fajardo Jr. Again, if you think I'm getting any of those names wrong, please don't hesitate to let me know. High level number six was delayed, sadly, due to complications that we might never know the full details about. And one of the concerns that was raised by myself and others on the DC Comics News podcast is how this might affect the overall momentum of the story. 
I personally had concerns because I've enjoyed featuring High Level on almost every episode of the DC Comics new spinner rack that I can get it on. And I felt issue number five left off with a really interesting cliffhanger, one that I felt needed to be resolved. And the longer that the delay stretched out, the harder it was to find that resolution. At the end of five, or issue number five, Minnow and 13 had been arrested by someone who they thought was a friend. And this arrest leads to a discovery that so many factions have been prepared for the arrival of Minnow. And despite her ability to fix a problem, to change things, she is instead to be captured and shown as an enemy so that she can be executed and not achieve a martyr status that would be possible if she was allowed to go unchecked. This was a really difficult issue, one that raised a lot of challenges, and unfortunately, because of the fact that it's trying to wrap up so much, contains a great deal of spoilers, a number of which I'm not going to ruin for you. I believe the experience is necessary for each person who's been enjoying this series. What I will say is that it, each twist and turn is this wonderful feeling of curiosity. Along the way, each character is pushed and some do not survive the pushing, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, that push moves the story forward and the continued revelations point to the fact that one of the reasons that Minnow was seen as such a threat is because the world that currently exists has been built on a lie. A lie that is supported by a series of lies. A series of lies that, if revealed, could bring down not only a power structure that has enabled those in control, but could potentially change everything that they've been raised to believe and destroy the psyche of the people that so far have been ruled and who, through their meager efforts, might actually be keeping this world alive. The discovery also presents a truth, one that suggests that despite the belief that this final issue would bring about not only resolution but answers and maybe an ending instead is only the closing of one chapter and the realization that there's more to be discovered there's more to learn and that in the doing so this original lie supported by so many other lies actually involves more than might have ever been suggested and that along the way the discoveries will change not only how we perceive high level, but how the people living in this world perceive the rules, the stories, and the lies that they've been told to believe. I love it when the books are this good. I love when the challenge is to figure out whether or not every book on this list will be a solid five out of five. It's only happened a few times, but this one so far, is my third five out of five for this week. And I'm really intrigued by the fact that it was able, in my opinion, to maintain some of the promise that was 
lost when momentum had a delay. Again, a solid five out of five for me for high level number six. Let's move on to my fourth choice. Now for my fourth choice, I went with the new title, Flash Forward number one, part of a six issue mini series following up on the story of Wally West after its conclusion in Heroes in Crisis where he is arrested and take away as a criminal. To start off with, I love this issue for its gorgeous original cover and stunning variant cover. Absolutely beautiful by Lee Inhyuk. Really just stunning and overall the work on this book was great. Unfortunately, I didn't have a credits page with my review copy, which means I can only slightly reference what an amazing team this was. But overall, great combination of work. Really liked the way the story and the art teams work together, and I was only able to pull off the name for the variant cover because it was inscribed so perfectly for me to try and read it <laughs> on the copy of this uh, variant cover in this review copy that I was using. Flash forward number one is a story about redemption and in it we meet a few characters looking for redemption. The first is Tempus or Tempus Fugonaut someone who has been in control of the universe the first universe who has witnessed a darkness that tried to overtake it and has seen how originally the multiverse and the dark multiverse thrived in a way in which the multiverse survived and the dark multiverse had an existence that eventually ended in decay and yet for some reason the dark universe the dark multiverse has become an anomaly one that is not actually decaying, but one that is rising and feeding off of the positive multiverse. Wally West is aware of none of this in his prison cell, as he does his best to atone for his sins. Because of the events that have taken place in The Flash, there are only a few choices available to house a metahuman criminal. With Iron Heights destroyed, the remaining choice, Blackgate, a supermax prison, is teeming with villains and practically exceeding its limitations. Wally is broken and doesn't really care. His inhibitor collar doesn't allow him to use his speed and this makes him an easy target for other who also don't have their power but are willing to make a name for themselves by killing off a flash. That option isn't really available to them though because despite his desire to not really fight back, Wally has those who are willing to help him even when he doesn't want it. Characters like Murmur. Characters who find a way to keep the story moving even when the main character doesn't want it to. Wally has his story interrupted with a suggestion that someone on the edge of the universe 
those who believe themselves worthy are trying to take control of the Mobius chair once sat in by Metria. In this example, yet another pretender is shown to fail, and Wally is left at the mercy of prisoners like Girder and Tarpit, who believe that with the right bribe, they can finally put an end to Wally. Tempus Fuguenot makes his appearance and offers Wally something different, something Wally doesn't want, but that Tempus insists is actually the reason why he is the best choice to potentially save the multiverse. I'm really intrigued by how this story is beginning and how it suggests the possibility of this path of redemption for Wally. It wasn't the strongest start for me. It's one of the reasons why, unfortunately, I'm only able to give this book a 4 out of 5 and not a 5. But it did present to me possible avenues that, if fulfilled and traveled in the best ways possible for this character, can be the redemption that I, and I believe others, have been looking for for Wally West ever since Rebirth and, more recently, the storyline in Heroes in Crisis. I thought this was a great start to Wally's journey, and I like the idea of following a character I've known, loved, and grown up with on his journey towards redemption. Again, flash forward number one, a four out of five in my book, my fourth choice for the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, and we're about to move into number five. And for that fifth and final choice, I've selected Batman number 79, City of Bane Part 5, written by Tom King, with pencils by Clay Mann, inks by Clay Mann and Seth Mann, and colors by Tomu Mori. Clayton Cowles providing the letters with Tony S. Daniel and Mori, providing a really cool cover, as well as a really cool variant cover by both Clay Man and Tomu Mori. I read recently a Twitter comment from Tom King suggesting that this issue and the one that preceded it are among the most important for Batman and Catwoman or Bat and Cat. And there's a lot going on in this issue. The first part which points to an interesting possibility regarding uh, the finale of issue number 77. And that's a editor's note that the events in this story take place before that issue. And when Batman tells Catwoman that Alfred has signaled he's safe and he's sending Damien in, that's the cue that things are about to take off that machinations that have been set in place are about to be set in motion. But what really stuck for me was the idea of what Tom King had been saying, and a thread line, a narrative that has been part of this long run by Tom King, has been based on the idea of when and where Batman and Catwoman first met. Was it a boat, or was it the street? And there's a realization, one that I'm going to allow the reader to discover on their own, that Batman comes to 
about what it means when they make their statements about either the boat or the street. When he does this, it brings about a change for Catwoman as well. And they both realize that those were stories from then, and this is their story now. And I'm just going to say that from this point on, the decision is made to answer the question of how they first met with We Met on the Beach. The rest of that is for the reader to discover. And part of what I feel is a really important payoff for fans of Tom King's storytelling and the way he has, as he described it, written this love letter to Batman. And from what I feel is clearly the relationship with Catwoman. I really enjoyed the tone of this story. I really liked the way it began pointing to possibilities of things behind the scenes that are going to impact the stories we've already read so far and what they can possibly mean for the future. As it stands, there's only issues number 80 through 85 left for Tom King's run. And as we move into this final moment of the final chapter, so many things are still possible. And as we've clearly shown, so much that hasn't been seen might make its way to the forefront and allow us to see the full scape, the full scope, and scale of this story. Batman number 79 was a solid five out of five for me. This writing and our team have done things together that they know they are demonstrating their own degrees of mastery, their own recognition of just what it is they're capable of. And in doing so, we are left with this amazing gift, which is collaborative team that can now read each other's thoughts, interpret each other's goals and in doing so give us an amazing story that's my fifth and final choice for the dc comics news spinner rack episode number 27 i've been your host seth singleton and i wanted to thank you for joining me here this week just like each and every week and before i let you go just a little bit of information for you to keep in mind for starters, DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. So please, head over and subscribe to the podcast, DC Comics News Podcast, and rate and review. You can also leave comments for us on your favorite form of social media, whether it's for the DC Comics News Podcast Network, the Spinner Rack, or anything related to DC Comics news, DC Comics, and anything else you think we should know. How do you do it? Well, pick your favorite social media platform like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube, and tag your comment with the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. I'm going to encourage you to check out more episodes of The Spinner Rack, if you like what you heard. And even if you didn't, give a shot to DC Comics News Podcast, where each and every week you can find people like me and others from DC Comics News, writers, editors, and more, 
giving their thoughts, takes, and feelings about the most recent news coming out from DC Comics, DC Comics and television and streaming, and DC Comics in the movies. And for a final reminder, Steve J. Ray, my compadre on the DC Comics News Podcast, is launching I Am The Night, his episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series. Steve's got a great team, and they've got great insight from someone who knows just a little bit about a lot when it comes to Batman. Actually, if you know anything about Steve J. Ray and the work he does as the editor for Dark Knight News, you'll know he knows a lot about a lot when it comes to Batman. Want to hear how much? Subscribe now to the DC Comics News Podcast Network and keep your ears open for the first of many episodes. Thanks for joining me this week. Looking forward to hanging out with you next week right here on the Spinner Rack at DC Comics News. Until next time.